0: Welcome to
1: the Manna Radio Program. 30 minutes of insight, inspiration and ideas to help leaders to lead, teachers to teach, pastors to pastor and parents to parent. Manna is about feeding your soul, improving your serve and restoring Spirit and now your host, the founder and president of MANA Educational Services International, it's Dr. Rick Cromie.
0: Welcome to the Mana Radio Show. This is Dr. Rick Croming and I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho. And it's beautiful out here. It's starting to warm up. We're starting to see the spring come a little bit, although Paxitani Phil has announced it's going to be six more weeks of winter. Not sure what that's going to look like for most of us, but actually I hope that he's wrong, don't you? February, though, is a time when we like to look at relationships here at MANA. We believe it's important to do some work and look at how we interact and how we relate to other people. And this particular program is going to unpack relationships and love and belonging and friendships. And it's really going to be very insightful uh, stuff for you. So I hope you'll hang on and listen because we've got some good things uh, coming your way. And I think if you listen to the whole show, you're going to be glad you did, because that's what it's all about this month. It's the love month, you know, love. And when you think about the radio today, it's all about love, isn't it not? I mean, there's all sorts of songs about love. There's shows on TV about love. Everywhere you go, there's love in the air. And of course, during this time of the month as well, you know, it's a time where we You know, send a little bit more chocolate, a few more flowers and things like that to our loved ones because it's Valentine's Day. But you know what? Human beings don't have, you know, the complete corner on love because really it's a God thing first. I love what John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his own son Jesus and for those of us who are Christians, that means a lot because Jesus was the very personification of God. He was the God-man. He walked this earth to show us how to know God better. He revealed God to us. You know, God was so distinct. God is so distinct, so separated, so so high above our thoughts, so great uh, beyond what we can possibly imagine that sometimes we need a God with skin on, and that's what Jesus was for us. And there's a big theological word for that. It's called incarnation. It's where Jesus literally stepped into our world, He incarnated into the human frame in order to walk with us, in order to experience life with us. You know, and it's hard sometimes to imagine Jesus as a human being because of all the frailties and faults that we human beings have. but he, he had the human body just like we do, and, and he learned that uh, the human body itself has its own weaknesses, especially as it grows, especially as it grows older. But this month is about relationships, and one of the things about incarnation, one of the things about Jesus is that he has taught us How to relate to each other. He's given us some very helpful things. We're going to take a look at one of his parables here uh, momentarily. But this hour, what I really want to do is I want to set a frame particularly for how do we attract, how do we create relationship, how do we move people through relationship, and how do we release them to make more relationships. And it works no matter who you are or what you're doing. I mean think about it it doesn't matter whether you're a parent and you're trying to bring your children up in, in your values It doesn't matter whether you're a teacher it doesn't matter if you're a pastor and you're trying to lead your flock, uh, your congregation it doesn't or it doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a business owner or an organization and you're trying to attract attention to what you do. You know there's a book out there about the idea of being sticky. And maybe that's the metaphor that I'm trying to work around as I communicate this to you. It's the idea that we have to be sticky in our relationships and by that, I mean that we have to, there has to be something that draws people to us. There has to be something about us, uh, our, our personality, you might say, but there has to be something that draws people to us, whether it's a, as an individual and you're looking for a relationship or you're looking to better your relationship with your spouse or your your girlfriend or boyfriend, or it's, um, it, it's about being, you know... a once you have that relationship, it's about improving it again, engaging it, uh, making it better, uh, or eventually empowering the other person to be the best that they can be or the people in your organization. And this is where it really works because again, if, if you're a, let's say you're a store owner and you've got this business and you're able to get people in the door, but if you can't keep them there, if you can't keep repeat sales going, then it doesn't matter. You're not going to be successful for very long. You may have that initial uh, explosion of, of a sale. You may have that initial great weekend, but if you can't keep them coming back, it doesn't matter. I sat in a line at Starbucks today, and I can tell you, they have figured out how to get people to keep coming back for $10 a gallon coffee. <laughs> it's about being sticky. And this is a problem that churches have, it's a major issue with churches. They have they do great in connecting and and getting people to come in and to to experience and and a lot of people come in the front door and they love what they see for the first Sunday or two or three but they don't stick for the long haul. Why is that? Well, I'm going to walk you through a parable here in a moment that's going to explain that. But to unpack it first, I want to I want to just take some time and and give you some thoughts about, and a lot of this comes out of our own secular culture as far as leadership culture and social science culture that helps us understand space because, and maybe you've heard about this. Uh, you know, Several years ago, there's this, this idea that there are four types of spaces. There's, there's public space, there's social space, there's personal space, and there's intimate space. And when I think about that, I, I think about maybe four B words. You know, for example, when you talk about public space, you know, this is a this is space that's out there. It's in a restaurant or it's in a grocery store or a department store or a mall or you know, it's just out there in a park, public park, and and you meet somebody and there's a, a friendship. Maybe maybe you just start talking. It's kind of a to use a B word. It's befriending. You know, that's what happens in public space. Now it doesn't have to happen. But it can happen if you are interested in some form of low-level, low-commitment relationship. I just call it befriending. I, you know, I befriend people all the time. Uh, many times I don't even know their name when we're done. You know, Somebody I meet on an airplane or uh, in another, uh, you know, maybe at a, yesterday I was at a Chick-fil-A and was talking with the owner and we were, we were, I was befriending him. It was public space but there's a level deeper than that that we call social space and the b word here is the idea of belonging so in this space this is where you want to feel like you're a part of something it's something deeper you know um you're you're might say you're a little bit of a fan of sorts you're you're a follower maybe that's a better word even yet not not fan quite yet you're just a follower at this point you're following along You know, you're belonging, you're feeling some some social acceptance there. But that's where a lot of churches, for example, struggle is they do good at befriending, they do good at creating initial belonging, but then they struggle with moving people to the deeper levels. You see it a lot in, in businesses as well. They do a great job of getting people in the front door, maybe getting them acclimated to the values and the vision of what they are as a store or an organization, but they have a hard time moving people beyond that. You see it within the family. A lot of families are friendly, you might say, and there is obviously belonging to a limited degree, but it's hard to get to pass on the values. It's, it's hard. Parents find this very difficult. How do I get my children to, to, to go deeper and to believe what I do? Oh. Well, there is a higher level even than that. And this is the third eye rung, if you might say. This is the believe rung. And that's what I was talking about with a parent. This is personal space. So you have your public space, which is a befriending type of space. You have your social space where you learn to belong and you feel belonging. And then you have your personal space. And this is where you begin to believe. You begin to have uh, value statements. You start to see value statements. You start to make value statements. You start to believe in the organization, you start to believe in the the learning that's going on in the classroom. If you're if you're a teacher, and then finally, there's what I call the become. This is intimate space. This is some would say maybe more man and wife, but I think it doesn't have to be. It's an, intimacy does not have to be a sexual thing. Intimacy can be just deeply, you know, two great friends have a becoming type of relationship where they empower each other to become the best that they can be. So public space, social space, personal space, intimate space, and they are wrapped around the idea of befriending, which moves you into belonging, which moves you into believing, which moves you into becoming it was Rick Warren who laid out the purpose driven church and, and he gave a kind of a, a wrap around I remember his concentric circles about you know the different types of of people that are that are in Uh, uh, in these uh, different spaces. For example, if you're in public space, that's kind of what we would call community space. If you're in social space, uh, he he was using more of a church word he called, I think, congregation. And and, and then uh, personal space, this is where the committed start to rise. And then you have uh, intimate space, which would be the core or the cream, you might say as well, the cream of the best, the best of the best. So you start seeing these it laid out, you know, not just in, in the circles that we have. You know, I mean again, if you're a business, if you're an organization working in the community, you know, what your your initial thing you want to do is befriend people. You want them to to ha- hear you, to know that you exist, but you want to move them into belonging eventually. You want them to, to have social interaction with your company. Uh, or, if you're a teacher, you want them to feel like, the students feel like they belong. They, they, they know you and they know each other in the classroom. But then you want to move them to begin to believe and to have that, and that's where that personal space, that's where a teacher becomes more one-on-one with a student, helping them to believe and understand the, the material and grow in the material as they're teaching it. Or a parent, helping, them to, helping their children to understand and believe these are our values as a family. And then finally, the idea of becoming. You know, this is the cream, if you will. This is the, this is the core issue. This is where we empower you know, a, a child that grows up in a home and then leaves the home and rejects everything that the home you know, had or everything the home preached or taught, especially if it's a good home. Now, I suppose if it's a bad home, that's, that's entirely different. But I'm talking about a home that has values that are positive and, and productive and yet a child will grow up in that and reject it later it, it means that they were not taught how to become they did not believe and they did not move into an empowered uh, child as they left the family does that make sense you, you know Joseph Myers Joseph Myers he's actually a friend of mine I've met him on a couple of occasions we've worked together and out there and he wrote a great book called the search to belong here Several years ago. In fact, I think it's one of the finest books on small group ministry in the church. So, if you're a small groups pastor or a community guy, you really ought to get a hold of Joseph Meyer's book, The Search to Belong. Joseph Meyer says this he says, belonging happens when you identify with another entity, a person or organization, or perhaps a species, culture, or ethnic group. Belonging need not be reciprocal. You can feel a sense of belonging and, in fact, can belong without the other party's knowledge or sharing the experience. You know, I have a lot of friends on Facebook that I've never physically met. I've not shared social space with them. I've not shared public space with them, but they sense belonging. You see, the internet has rewired and really reimagined interaction. It's reimagined friendships. I mean, think about Facebook. You know you can be friends with people that really you're not friends with you know you've not had any type of deep conversation and deep communion or deep experiences with them you know it's uh it's, it's one of the interesting things you can friend and defriend a person on Facebook rather easily and and maybe that's because they're not really your friend it's easy to defriend somebody who's not your friend have you ever had to do that See? Friendship means something, and Facebook has redefined what a friendship looks like. So an acquaintance, or you know, someone that just has maybe a shared value of some sort, or a friend of a friend of a friend, you know, or some people are just they just they feel it's their duty to accumulate as many friends as possible on Facebook, uh, without any care or concern about who those friends are. You know, all I can say is this is that when you don't be long, you say so long. And that's why the church has to get this figured out. We have to figure out how to develop better community and connections and cooperation and collaborations. It's why the home has to be a place rich, soaked, immersed, baptized, if you will, in in relationships, you know, positive relationships where people know each other and such. You know, Jesus... He taught a particular story many years ago, many, many years ago, 2,000 years ago. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 13. Jesus uh, gives a story. It's called the parable of the sower. I'm sure you've heard it. Let me just read it to you, and then I want to come back and give some comments because I think the parable of the sower gives us some help as far as how we need to respond and how we need to understand community and how how we go from roots to fruits. Chapter 13 of Matthew. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him. They got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then Jesus told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, a sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear." Now, it's interesting because Jesus is gonna come back later in that same chapter, if you drop down to verse 18, he's going to tell his disciples what this parable means. Listen to what he says. Verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time, and then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It's a fascinating parable when you think about it. It also has a lot of very helpful things that we need to think about when it comes to understanding and developing community. I like to call it the dirt on discipleship. And discipleship isn't a very churchy word again, but basically it means learning. And this is the dirt on learning. It's the dirt also on attracting customers. If you're a businessman, it's the dirt on, you know, relationships in every way. And I want to walk us through it just for a moment and take a look at this parable one more time. Because the first soil was hard, was it not? It says some fell along the path and it was trampled on. The birds came and ate it up. And and here's the problem. It's hard ground. And so the message is not getting in. The message is not going to be able to soak in. You might say that people today come to our church, they come to our business, they come to our organization, they come to, even even in the family, you can see this as well, uh, they come in with hard hearts and hard heads. They come into our classrooms with hard hearts and hard heads. And there's two basic issues that create this hardness. I mean, what was making this soil hard? It was because there was insecurity and ignorance. If you have hard heart, a lot of it's because you're insecure in a situation. If you have a hard head, it's because you just don't know better. It's ignorance. And those are the two issues. And here's the thing that's very important when you think about coming in, people have needs. And when you come into community, when you are initially attracted to social situations, whether again it's in a, in a church or in the, in the home or in a, in a schoolroom or a boardroom, it doesn't matter. When you come into that social situation, you have particular human needs. And, and I think there are two that are playing out here. We have a need for security. And we also have a need for pleasure. I bet you've never thought of it that way. But what can break up the hard ground faster than anything is when you feel secure about the situation and when you're enjoying it. Now, that doesn't mean that we just do pleasure for pleasure's sake or entertainment for entertainment's sake. But it does mean that when we create environments, whether it's in a business or an organization or a school classroom, or whether it's uh, with employees or staff or or in your home, no matter where you're at, if you create a pleasurable environment where it also at the same time communicates policies and procedures, rules, regulations, it, it basically helps people feel secure. They're no longer ignorant. They know how to behave. This is a reason why a lot of children misbehave. Their parents have created doubt as far as what to do in a particular social setting. And so they misbehave, and they keep getting mixed messages. I see it all the time. I watch Parents Parent all the time and see this major mistake. But I also see it when it comes to, uh, let's again, come back to the church, a church trying to attract a visitor and, and help them become back and become a guest, if you will, a, a regular attender. You know, uh, they really don't help people on the first day. I mean, how many churches do you go to today where you walk in Maybe shake the hands of the person that's that there, the greeter at the door, and sit down and never speak to another person the entire time you're there. You just go and watch the show. And that's why there's hard ground. Now, let me give you a thought here In all these grounds. Who has control of the soils? That's right, the farmer. The farmer, if it's hard ground, you can break it up. If it's thorny ground, you can pull up the thistles. If it's, if it's rocky ground, you can dig out the rocks. If it's shallow, you can, you can dig down, you can, you know, you, the farmer, you have control over the ground. It's your job. And and so I want to encourage you, if you're a teacher, it's your job, it's your responsibility to create a positive, powerful learning environment. If you're a, a boss, if you're an employer, and, and it's your job to create a, an environment with your staff, with your employees, that's powerful and, and attractive and engaging. If you're a pastor, that's your job with your church, you know, is to create these type of engaging things. And here's what I find interesting is that if you fold in on all of these, but particularly this first one, it's just got to be a little bit more pleasurable. People are attracted to things that are pleasing, that are pleasurable. And again, you don't want to get caught in an entertainment trap. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But there's nothing wrong with having pleasure as part of the initial attraction. And of course, security. Make sure people know what they need to know. You know, if you go into a Starbucks, if you've never been in a Starbucks before and you have no idea what a tall grande or vente means, you're gonna order out of what? Ignorance. Secondly, there's the rocky ground, this is relationship issue again. Uh, I mean think about it. The, the, the plant grew down, but because it could not grow down very far, it spread its roots. And so when the wind and the storms came, it blew easily over. And that's a problem as well. You know, we have to create relationships. We have this is this is so important. People want to belong. If they don't belong, it's so long. And that's what Rocky Ground is all about. And there's the thorny ground. I mean, thorny ground, this is this is really the need here is that people want to have dignity. And the problem, the thorny ground, is that the deceitfulness, as Jesus said, the deceitfulness of wealth and, and such can be very distractive. And you know this is where you want to create you know, the, 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 the shared values, if you will. You want people to believe in what you're doing. It's incredible. It's very, very important. And, and in the fertile ground, the fertile ground, did you notice that the fertile ground, some of it produced 30, some 60, some 100-fold? You know, it was empowered, and not every ground is going to produce the same. This is the problem a lot of teachers have. They want all their students to learn the same thing at the same pace with the same results. It's not going to happen. Students learn differently. Parents have the same problem with their children. They they want the same thing. They want the, everything to happen with the same children, and they want to have the same results. But every child is different. Every child is going to produce differently as they mature. Employees. Employers, same thing. Pastors with your staff with your congregation. Different people are gonna rise to into leadership because different people have different skills and their, their giftings are of such that they 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 produce a hundredfold and some only thirtyfold. There's nothing wrong with that. You see, when I look at relationships, I see four levels. I see four levels. There's connection. That's that befriending level. We just want to connect with people. This is, you know, that's why it's on that hard ground level you know, where we have to deal with pleasure and security as needs. There's that connection level. And then the next move beyond that is cooperation. When we get beyond connection, we get to cooperation. Cooperation is where we start to belong. This is, you know, if you think of connection as shared space, well, belonging is shared time. You know, and that's why relationships are so important to the process. Cooperation. I have a friend uh, who's always said that you can tie two cat's tails together, but then you'll have connection, but you won't have community. And he's so right. The next step up, you know, we talked about the befriending, belonging, believing. Well, I like to look at this as collaboration. You move from connection to cooperation to collaboration. Collaboration is where you move from shared time to now shared values and shared values. This is why the thorny ground was really struggling because there, there was no dignity there. And, and what we do is we tend to use external motivators. And I'm going to talk about this on another show, uh, but you know, we get in a trap when we use rewards, external motivators, and incentives to motivate people instead of the, using the natural uh, needs that, that draw and engage people. And then finally, community. That's the highest level. That's that core. That's that cream. That's where we want everybody to go. And this is where you become. It's a shared lifestyle. It's a fertile ground. It's a a place of empowerment. When you're in community, you feel empowered to do it. So there you go, the four levels. Connection, cooperation, collaboration, community. Connection, shared space. Cooperation, shared time. Collaboration, shared values. Community, shared lifestyle. And you can walk it right through those four soils as well from Jesus in Matthew 13. Pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? And it gives you what exactly you need to do at each level of the process. So what can you do? What can you do? Well, let me give you a few ideas here in closing as far as how you can build better relationships whether you're again in a church setting or a classroom setting or in your home or you know even again as a, as a business you know when someone acts up or out i think you need to ask yourself how can i reconnect especially those of you who are in the you know parents or teachers hear me for a second when a student is acting up or a child is acting up we need to ask ourselves how can i reconnect for example, you know, a student is caught cheating on an exam. Instead of just a reprimand, seek to understand why the learner resorted to cheating in the first place. You might discover he's afraid of failure. Or you might learn that she cheated as a revenge on her parents. Both are relational matters. Another thing you can do to build relationships is to schedule one-on-one time with your students. Get to know them individually. Get to know them as people, as persons, that's relationships. Third, use holidays as an excuse to party. Create some connection and some community. People love to party, and they're attracted to parties, again, because they know what to expect, and it's fun. See, there's that pleasure, that security need coming in, but also they, they come to parties because they know they can meet people, and we all deep down want to connect and meet people and move into deeper spaces. See, we can't all live in public space, We want social space. And once you're in social space, you want to move to personal space. And once you're in personal space, you want intimacy. Make sense? I would suggest also that you get to know your employees, get to know your students, get to know um, your your congregation by name, get to know their hobbies, get to know their interests, get to know what jazzes them, what, what they love to do. Get to know that so you know their stories. And finally, let me encourage you, especially if you're a, stu- a teacher here, and even an employer or a pastor, write a personal note to people. You know, if that's their birthday, write them a birthday note. If their anniversary, let them know that you're celebrating their anniversary. Today, my my wife and I were were out about this morning as we we're heading into work, and we she said, "I've got to stop and buy something for one of my coworkers." and and his wife has gone through cancer and uh, has just completed her last chemotherapy. And, and my wife knows what that's like. She went through chemotherapy herself. And it was very, very difficult. And she remembered how the last day was so important. And so she bought a little gift for, for this, this woman and uh, just a, a little card to say, congratulations on finishing your last day of chemotherapy. Now, here's things interesting. She's never met this woman. She works with her husband, though. And she's going to give the gift to her husband and celebrate with her husband and encourage her husband as far as you know this day of celebration that the chemotherapy is over. That is relationships. That is community. That is creating connections. That's creating cooperation. That's creating collaboration. And that's going to create community where even the two fiercest cats, when their tails are tied together, might just meow and have a good day. Well, this is Rick Cromie. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll pass this on. I hope this is something that's been helpful for you. Feel free to pass it on to your friends, your family. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on uh, YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Whatever it takes. We are here as MANA Educational Services International to serve you. We want to help you to be a better leader, a better teacher, a better parent, a better pastor. And every week, And every every month, we're going to bring something to you of insight and help. This month has been about relationships, and it's been lovely. You have a great day and a wonderful month.
1: been listening to the Mana Radio program with Dr. Rick Cromie. Mana Educational Services is passionately committed to empowering leaders to lead teachers to teach, pastors to pastor, and parents to parent. MANA offers workshops, video, and online training products and solutions completely for free. That's right. Plus, MANA offers digital downloads and other inspirational products and solutions, again, free of charge. And that's because of the generosity of our loving donors. MANA operates by the prayers and generosity of individuals and churches Like you, and we invite you to consider a donation to our work. All donations are tax deductible. For more information, please visit our website at manasolutions.org. That's mana, M A N N A, solutions.org.